welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child? who has been born king of the Jews. For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And of course, upon turning the page, he sees the final... Uh, the final verses that I omitted reading on entering the house and of course I knew this but uh, uh, on entering the house they saw the child okay, the child, with Mary as mother they knelt down and paid him homage then opening their treasure chests they offered him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod they left for their own country by another road okay need to finish that story. It makes much more sense that way. Well, I uh, welcome you again and uh, observe that uh, today is Epiphany. It is Epiphany. The date just happens to fall this year uh, on uh, Sunday, uh, January the 6th. Epiphany was in the broader context, the history of the church. Uh, Formerly, before all things had to have some significant economic implication to be uh, celebrated today, uh, Epiphany was, for 
generations and hundreds, indeed well on towards 2,000 years, uh, celebrated as a major event in the life of the church. Um, it is important uh, observance, and it was an important holiday on the church's calendar, and consequence, consequentially to being important, an important day, uh, a good deal, uh, a great body, in fact, of tradition of traditions have grown up around the celebration of this event, around the three kings of Epiphany. Uh, kings is a kind of a weak translation, but it got picked up in the 1850s by the songwriter uh, of the hymn we're going to sing here in a little while, a little while, We Three Kings, right? Kings kind of a weak translation of the title for those wise men. Wise men itself, a bit wanting. The term used was magus. Okay, magus, and we divide, derive from that that ancient word, our word for magician or magic, magus. Okay. Now, also surrounding the visiting of the wise men, the coming of the wise men, the number of wise men itself is uh, subject to interpretation or inference. Uh, the names of the wise men came to be attached to uh, uh, to them. We we have. Uh, uh, Casper, uh, Balthazar, and, and Melchior, um, one from Arabia, and Balthazar said to have been black-skinned from uh, Seba, from Psalm, uh, modern Yemen, war-torn Yemen. Okay, uh, but uh, we are given these uh, names, these numbers, and uh, as I say, the, even the places of origin of the wise men is, is a product of tradition that grew up in many different cultures around the world about the visitation of the wise men to the Christ child. Um, we know that uh, um, we, we know that this season has been uh, observed. Epiphany has been observed at least since the year. 360, uh, when we find it written into literature uh, as early as that time. And we also assume the number of wise men based upon what? The number of gifts offered. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us more than that. Matthew doesn't mention that. But in the Bible, Matthew alone does tell us the story uh, that becomes the epiphany story, uh, the visitation of the wise men. Again, more rightly, the Magi to the little town of Bethlehem. So tenderly, so tenderly celebrated by the church in song during Christmas. Of particular interest to these, and I like to call them proto-scientists, okay? They were pre-scientists, scientists of their day, was the sun, the moon, and the stars. The sun, the moon, and the stars. For the orderliness and the precision uh, in celestial bodies spoke to the wise men of old of divine intention. Okay, of divine intention. And it was in those same stars that the Magi saw one sign, one thing in particular, uh, that would send them on a faithful journey, a journey that would help change the world. The wise men, you see, sought a newborn king for the people of Israel. That's what they inferred, interpreted from the behavior of the stars of the night sky. And so Matthew tells that the wise men first stopped in the capital city, Jerusalem, the residence of the then reigning king, Herod. That seems to make uh, eminently reasonable sense to me. 
that if you're looking for the newborn king, you would visit the palace of the reigning king. When asked about this newborn king by the wise men, however, Herod was particularly curious, and he wanted to know, where did this birth take place? Now, I suspect now the opposite takes, happens. I suspect the, the wise men found that to be an odd question coming from the then reigning king where the one to be king would have been born the place of Jesus' birth was made known to Herod through his advisors and a careful reading of an otherwise obscure Hebrew prophet named Micah we have the major prophets the ones that we think of all the time Isaiah, Jeremiah but Micah who would have thought Micah. But it was in this minor prophet's writings that Herod's scribes and his priests found these words which they made known to Herod. But you, O Bethlehem, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule Israel. There it is, right under Herod's nose. Bethlehem, a short six miles south of Jerusalem down the main road. Then Herod called to him the wise men secretly and ascertained uh, that the one born to be king was somewhat under two years of age, based upon when the star had first appeared, according to the Magi. Now, since you can see Bethlehem from Jerusalem, Herod's soldiers could march there in a day, kill his would-be rival, and be back by supper time. All in a day's work for a paranoid puppet of Caesar Augustus. In Herod's vain eyes, however, I suspect he didn't think the wise men were all that smart. They played right into the hands of a man with no conscience and no qualms. For after learning exactly when the star had appeared, Herod tried to play the wise men even further by asking them to do what? Go and find where the child was staying, feigning so I can pay him homage too. When the wise men found the child, Herod commanded the trio to return and tell him, but they didn't. After presenting three highly symbolic and significant gifts of substantial worth, giving us the the sense that there were three wise men, those wise men were warned off in a dream not to return to Herod, and so they left Bethlehem, little Bethlehem in the hills by by another road. Thus it is that the three wise men who were not there at Jesus' birth, the three wise men vanished into obscurity. But not before they had left, what, three gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know that everyone knows that is part of the story. Gold, a gift worthy of a king. Frankincense for a man of God, a man of prayer. The rising incense representing the prayers ascending to heaven. And myrrh, the odd but expensive gift used to embalm the dead. King and God and sacrifice, as the hymn, growing out of tradition, 
would lead us to sing in just a few moments. These gifts would have been an incredible windfall, a fortune to a humble carpenter's family. That leads me to wonder if perhaps that value, the gifts of golden frankincense and myrrh, is what was used to sustain the Holy Family during the years of their exile. For you see, after the wise men departed, Joseph, this man of dreams in his own right, had his angelic encounter, and an angel then reminded Joseph that if Herod had learned the location of the child, Joseph must immediately take Mary and Jesus and flee for their lives, which they did. And so it was that Jesus was spirited away to safety, but not so the children of Bethlehem. Herod did send his soldiers, but not being told upon a return by the wise men exactly where to find the baby Jesus, Herod killed all the baby boys in Bethlehem, aged two years old and younger, based upon the time the star appeared. This gave rise to the church's observance of December the 28th every year as a day to remember the holy innocent children, the martyrs of Bethlehem. Well, so ended the celebration of Christmas as Matthew, writing about Epiphany, reminded the church, the first century church, the early church, that difficult days were going to lie ahead and were sure to come for those who were followers of Christ. What would be more telling, Matthew suggests, would be how the church would respond to those coming times of hardship and suffering. Would God's people remain steadfast to the truth? Or would they abandon what so many before sacrificed and died to make possible? This is why I suggest to you we are in part obligated to know the story of our faith and Paul and Addie to teach it to our children. You see, it's not all about you, to coin a phrase. It's not about any one of us individually. It is about all of us. In the second lesson that Andrea read, Paul, who began life privileged, uh, not only as a, uh, a man afforded a, a very uh, competent education, but a Roman citizen, Paul began life not only as an observant Pharisee, but went on to become a persecutor of the way, the church, those early Christians. But he would then become the church's chief author in the New Testament and an evangelist to the nations, to those beyond Israel. And for that, Paul would himself suffer suffer much. He wrote in the lesson as it opened today, I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ. Thoughts turn to Peter. The rock, huh? The rock. Peter would be crucified upside down. And then buried on an obscure little hillside outside the city of Rome known to the Romans simply as the Vatican. As the church grew, it would be opposed and oppressed and obstructed at every turn. In Rome, 
mighty Rome, Christians were chosen as scapegoats and they would be blamed for all manner of evil, tortured and tormented. Christians would be hunted and hurt. But, you see, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would not yield. They would not yield their faith in Christ. Conflict and controversy would arise within the church, within the body of Christ. Heresies that led to creeds being set down to guide and direct the church. In the 16th century, reform was called for, even as the faith spread to new continents around the globe and to people far, far away and much unlike the people of either Jerusalem or Bethlehem. All the while, people living in one-time bastions of Christianity, the seat of its birth, Turkey and the Middle East, they would, after the 7th century, find themselves not just displaced by Islam, but eradicated from their ancestral homelands. Those places have become the new Bethlehems, even in our day. Holy places, holy places, having to endure unholy acts of hatred and violence. But you see, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they do not yield. Such is the story of our faith. That is why we need to know it. That is why we need to share it with our children. The story of God's people, holy people, in often unholy circumstances, in an often unholy world. First the Jews, then the Christians, children of Abraham all, who pray for peace but find no peace. And so let us return, let us go full circle for a moment to the prophets who started this all off. Let us return to both Isaiah and to Micah and reread. Let us look for what escaped Herod in his evil intent, and let us let the promise of the prophets be our hope this Epiphany Day. Isaiah wrote, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried in the arms of their nurses. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And finally, Micah. Little Micah. Those fateful words. But you, O Bethlehem, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. He shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be the one of peace. Let us pray. Let us pray the Prince of Peace remember his people this day.
throughout the dark days upon us and to come and bring us to perfect peace and light in his holy name that by the power of the Holy Spirit we like those before us not yield to the darkness Amen We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.